One of the ways that I know that you have spent part of your life in the previous century is that you know what this is on the screen. One of the ways that I know you have spent more of your life in the previous century than this century is that you've used this device that's on the screen. One of the ways that I knew, know you've spent a lot of your life in the previous century is that when I say this device on the screen, you're saying, what screen? What's he talking about? <laughs> this is what we had before we had all of this PowerPoint electronics. And some of you know what a slide projector is, is like. And you had to get your pictures developed in a special way. And uh, they were turned into a transparent film and put into a, a card uh, holder, a plastic holder. And then each of those would be put into that ring so that they would be dropped into the projector in series. And no matter what you did, always there was one slide that would be upside down. And some of you know that when somebody has one of these and they say, hey... I got some new slides. Why don't you come over to the house this weekend? You scramble to look for anything else that you can do. Which is strange that we used to avoid other people's slideshows because now we do that every day on Facebook. Somehow Mark Zuckerberg has figured out how to get us to look at other people's pictures and cough up all of our data while we're doing it. The difference is, is that when you go to someone's slideshow, they control the advance of that slide. On Facebook, you have control of the remote. So I'll be a good projectionist today and get through this. Uh, one of the things they teach you as a professional speaker is, don't ever say to your audience, this is going to be a really quick sermon or a really quick presentation. Because as soon as you say that, you set up expectations and people start counting down. It is going to be really short, but I'm not going to tell you that because I don't want to mess up your expectations. But it will be really short, but I'm not going to tell you that. Going through some of these slides, I realized where God has taken us. And this is to put a, uh, a spiritual point on the things that Ted has shared with us, the things that Cade has shared with us. Going through our slides, let's call it the, the family album for the West Ark family over the last three years, let's say. Um, I saw some things in, in my collection of slides I, I pulled out the slides, I went through, and now these are the ones that I've selected to put into the projector. And I think a good starting point to fix it at is in August of 2015, when our shepherds were reaffirmed and we identified four new shepherds. That's not the first time we've ever done that, and it's not going to be the last time. But the very fact that we can recognize leaders within the body of Christ, that we can recognize people who lead us spiritually, and, and, and we've done that now, uh, you know, oh, so many times. That's a healthy process. That means that God is raising up a new generation all of the time who can lead. And the point of our leaders, you know, Cade was talking about one of the differences between us and the good people in the world. 
One of them is that Jesus taught us that your leaders among you are servants. That your leaders among you serve. And not serve in the way that politicians do, but they're like shepherds who care for the spiritual flock. Well, we did that in August 2015, another one of those moments where we decided it was the right time to look for new leadership. And it wasn't an election, it wasn't a, uh, a process, a changing out of the board of directors. In fact, our shepherds are so, so spiritually in tune that they remind us all the time, we are not a board of directors. Out of this shepherd selection and reaffirmation came four words that I wonder if you remember them. Maybe you've been here, uh, you've come into this family since 2015. And this may be the first time you're hearing it. Well, we want to share it with you again. Four words, friendly, inviting, intimate, and participatory. And those four words are not just buzzwords. I was talking with one of our shepherds this morning, and he reminded me of that. Those are rooted in scriptural wisdom and and our shepherds in searching for some way to identify in our language what the what the characteristics of God's people ought to be as they're reaching out and on mission and I mean there's a lot of words they could have come up with but these four stood out and so now the question was okay if we believe in those four words friendly inviting participatory intimate and you can change up the, the, there really is no good acronym for those four other than FIPI, but you know, whatever you want to do with it, um, uh, if you're very creative, can come up with one. There's not a lot to work with there, but those four words. In November of 2015, we were all tasked with um, how to embody them. It's great to say friendly, we all love that word, but how are we going to be friendly? How are we going to be participatory? How are we going to be inviting? And how are we going to be intimate? What are we going to do? Well, one of the scriptures that guided us, and keep in mind, all of these slides come from my slide collection. I mean, I found all of this, and in it I find a story. One of the presentations that the staff made to the, to the elders at that time, this was uh, October of 2015, was we found this scripture. Ephesians 2.21, in Him, that would be Christ, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. That word joined together is a very unique word. It's the word that is used when, when an ancient artist was making a mosaic and fit every piece in exactly like it was. The particular color, the particular shape, the arrangement of it. It's more than just building a building and shooting screws into the wall and nailing stuff up and just making it work. It's an artistic, intentional building and assembling of something uh, that, that, that is useful and also good and beautiful. And so we decided that that word could be applied with, with these words into two things. The physical upkeep of this building and the spiritual upkeep of the congregation. That we know that this verse is speaking of the church, the people, the spiritual temple. But this spiritual temple also exists in physical space. And so just as we have been the beneficiaries of visionary people before us who provided this unique and useful building for us back in the early 80s, 
And some of us have come in since then, and, and we benefit from this. We've got to keep that process going, and it might mean making sure that this works. You know, there's been so many things happen since 2015, and I, I just want to give you a sense of the wins, the victories that we've experienced. Did you know, for example, um, like this slide right here, if you're having a little, tr- okay, I need, to, I need my help for my guys up there. If you're having a little trouble seeing this right now, could you dim the lights right there just for me so that you can see this a little better? Now watch this. Watch this. Oh, okay, that worked. It shows up a little bit more. Okay, that's good. Now bring the lights back up. Wow. I mean, listen, that may not seem like much to you, but a few years ago it was like, bring the lights back up. Okay, let's all go on coffee break. We'll come back tomorrow afternoon and those lights will be up again. That's the way it used to be. But because of generosity and hard work and dedication, we're the beneficiaries of technology like this. It helps us. And this space has given us a place as a rather large family to gather together. In January of, um, of 2016, we had what we call a talk it up. And, you know, that's a structure, too. Our talk it ups have become a, um, a, a, and it's a structure because we set a time, we appoint a time, we announce a time, we gather together. The shepherds listen to the flock. The flock listens to the shepherds. We talk to one another. We listen to one another. And we come, to, and we come together and we develop plans. And so by January of 2016, I mean, it just wasn't one thing like lights. But we had a plan. We didn't know if we were going to accomplish all of it. We might not accomplish all of it right away. But we had to have a plan. And again, it had to do with those two parts of the, of the joining together. The physical upkeep of this structure and the resources that we have. And also, the spiritual upkeep of the congregation now I know you can say um, you know one of those is more important than the other yes I mean if we lost all of these spirit if we lost all these physical resources would we still be the body of Christ you bet would we have to change the way we do things yes but they still are part of what we do and how we do it you know again going through these slides I realized just how much of this we take for granted. I wonder, when's the last time you realized that we've got a new parking lot? When is the last time you've thought about that? When we first saw that there was a new parking lot, that was really the kind of the thing that, that made this take off, and we were like, wow. You know. And, and, and here's the thing. I don't know that a new parking lot is necessarily going to grow the body of Christ. But I know a lot of people who might turn the other way if the parking lot is something that, uh, you know, if they, if they drive into it, it's going to tear the bottom of their car off, you know. Uh, there, there's things like that to keep in mind, but there's things that just have to be done. And rather than making it an afterthought, we thought, can we wrap all of this up together? Can we do something where all of this comes together and we realize that the, the space we occupy, the places we go, all of this works together? And that's where you get into something called vision. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Proverbs 29. The reverse of that, though, is where there is vision, the people thrive. The people thrive, especially if it's God's vision. Because vision suddenly just, you know, makes you realize, okay, look, there's something, there's something more than just the daily grind. There's something we can work towards. There's something we can do. 
And it needs to be a good vision and a healthy vision. And one of the things that vision does is it gets us over the fear of failure. This is a slide from a sermon that I did. I know, maybe you're thinking right now, boy, he, he really mailed it in this week. He just, he just went and did sermon salad, didn't he? Yeah. Sermon salad might be good. But rather than jumping into our new series, I thought, no, this is a moment where we have to stop and realize, how did we get here? What's our story? I'm going to tell you. Folks, I've been um, about, it'll be about 15 years I've had the honor of serving with this congregation. And I tell you, one of the things that I've noticed in the last, say, three years, this is one of the most fearless times in the history of this congregation. And I love it that that spirit thrives. We don't have to be afraid. We're more, and when we're not afraid, when we're not worried, we're more creative because we're more trusting in God. Fear of failure comes about because we worry that there's too much risk involved. We're afraid we're going to get it wrong. Uh, we worry about things that may not ever happen. We doubt whether things will really ever work. And you know, here's the truth. As the people of God, we may go about and do some things that we fall flat on our face. But if we have done it because we're trusting in God, then we, we, we can take comfort in that that our failure was is not fatal uh, in celebrate recovery we have a statement we say you're only a failure if you fail to get back up when you fall down these are just opportunities to learn when we were over at the um, shepherding conference at pleasant valley church of christ in little rock uh back in in february some of our brothers from the uh, church in Jonesboro were talking about what they were doing and, and reaching out. And they have a church where they reach out. And I remember this statement. They were just saying, what? It's setting up chairs in this, uh, at, this, at this place where they gather people in to worship. I said, why are we doing this? Is this really working? One man, to encourage the other man, said, you know what? He said, if we're going to fail, let's fail for God. Come on, let's just fail for God. Because if I fail for myself, I'm going to have to learn from that mistake. I might, have to, I might have to do something to repair that. But if I fail for God, he's going to turn that into a win. God can take my failures and turn it into a victory. I may not like it. It may not be comfortable, but it can happen. And here's another question that uh, I asked uh, oh, about two years ago. Can you think of the last time that you were blessed by someone who was afraid to do what God wanted them to do and bury their talents? I mean, when you think about the people who've blessed you and they used their gifts for God, even if it was difficult, is there anybody on that list that you can think, you know, there was this one person who was really great at teaching me the gospel, but because they were so afraid to talk to me, they buried their talent. And I'll never forget how that changed my life. Now, see, that doesn't happen, does it? If we bury our talent, we can't even fail for God. We fail to fail. Some of this history that I've looked back on over the last three years, we've been adventurers. We've been excited. We've been eager. We've been worried, but that worry is overcome by this vision for what we can do for God. And that's biblical. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. 
God didn't send us out to fail. God didn't send us out. I mean, if you think about it, why would God send us out intending for us to fail and then judge us on that? If we are faithful to Him, then He even turns seeming failures into victories. That's what's behind the gospel message that we preach. Those apostles who share the message, they see their teacher, they see their rabbi go to the cross under any definition on planet earth. That was the ultimate failure. Not only was he killed, but he was shamed. And not only was he shamed, all of his, leader, all of his followers were turned away. His teaching was discredited by the shameful death on the cross. That should have been in the end of it, and the wind should have gone into the column for the Roman Empire and the world. But God does something unexpected. Well, unexpected by those who think like the world. He decided to turn death into life. He decided to bring about resurrection. And now there's an option There is a power, and that same power that's described here can empower you and I to share the gospel. So when there's that moment and we think, I don't know, we might not be able to get that house across the street, so let's not even try. Now, trust me, there's more power with God than, than, than just getting a house. I mean, he can do, if, he, if he can raise Jesus from the dead, he can do that. Like we said in the bulletin, I hope you read the article, the Alliance for Christ article in the bulletin. It's almost as if God is saying on this opportunity, I liked what you said, Cade. This isn't a survival move. This is a growth move. We really, a lot of us believe that God is saying, you know, I think you might be needing this. Here you go. Oh, well, we weren't really, no, trust me, says God. You'll need this. Because I've got growth coming your way. Now, we can choose to believe that. Uh if we believe that there is this power backing it up so here's and if you think about it when when some of this started happening i just went through this is my list you might be able to add to it uh if you want me to i'll post this slide on uh, some of our social media and and you can add to it because there have been i looked at it there have been quite a few firsts since the summer of 2016 and, and I'm not saying that all of our ongoing ministries are, are failing. No, 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 no. I think, I think that ought to be obvious. I mean, they're thriving too. But along with the thriving and the good health that comes out of those good ministries, like our missions and our family ministries and our classes and, and everything else that we're doing, they're generating fruit. It's expanding. We're, these are growth moves, not survival moves. So in 2016, we do our first ever cub camp. For those of you who like numbers, you know, Ted mentioned that we got 35, 40 over there on a Wednesday night. We got something like 80 showing up over there for the noon meal. First Cub Camp, we fed 400. We hadn't even hired Cade at that point. Someone called from the campus and said, We hear that you're a church that really likes college students. We've got all these college students coming in for Cub Camp. Would you help feed them? I knew that the answer was yes but i had no idea how we were going to do it good news was when we hired cade we just said oh by the way one of the things you've got to do is feed 400 students at cub camp 
then he turned it around he said will you come help me and you did you did all of you helped and now there are people who are entering into this ministry who knows what's going to happen next the connections of god are amazing night to shine we didn't know how we were going to do that in spring of 2017 now we've had two of them now we've got other churches asking us how does that work now we're asking what does this mean how do we continue to reach out to these people and share more of of god's life with them our prayer pals we did our prayer pals you know, in, in uh, the fall of 2017, and then we had our first prayer pal Sunday. We'd never done anything like that before. We came away from it saying, this is really good. Celebrate Recovery started in 2018. You know how long we've been waiting to start that? We didn't wake up. We, we, we didn't wake up on December 31st, 2017 and say, you know, it'd be a great idea to have Celebrate Recovery. Let's all get together tomorrow night. No. There were years invested in that. When our shepherds got together, I don't even know where this came from. Some of them said, we really ought to start up a Celebrate Recovery. Okay. Now we just need to figure out how to do that. You know, the good news in all these firsts is we stopped trying to figure it all out ourselves and decided to just be obedient and trusting and let God lead us in it. I mean, he gives us the creative people. Do we believe that God gives the the church talents and gifts? Do you believe that? Okay. I mean, where else do they come from? Oh, hard work and intelligence. Okay, well, that's from God, too. (laughs) Your ability to work, that also comes from God. Your ability to make money, that comes from God. You know, it's like that joke about the the scientist who had an argument with God. And they said, listen, we want to prove that you don't exist. And God said, oh, yeah? And they go, yeah. He goes, okay, so the challenge is going to be create life. Oh, all right. So God takes up some dirt, and he puts it all together and everything, and he breathes life into it and uh he's got a living human being Uh uh-huh scientists say no that's okay we can do the same thing so they go and they get some dirt and god says ah wait make your own dirt (laughs) get it everything that we might think is us partnering with god is all god it's just a matter of whether or not we're going to trust and be obedient in him I'm so glad that we started this year out because we all had this sense that in 2018, and 2018 is, is, is uh, now what? One quarter of it is in the books. There's only three quarters of 2018 left. But we started this year out, and this is the reason why I want to take this time. Because I don't want us to lose that momentum. I don't want us to lose this faith and trust and obedience in God. We started out praying, relying on Him. We had our 24 hours of prayer and fasting. Again, that's an idea that came from the congregation. And now here we are in April, and God is saying, you might need this. We've got a new opportunity. And this, again, is what's happened over the last three years. Here's another one of the slides that I found. But this is 35 years or more in the making Uh, you look at the history of this congregation a lot of things lead to these moments decisions that were made years ago decisions that were made a hundred years ago have led to just such a time as this and this vision has never been about just us in getting this house in working on this uh, physical structure in sharing the gospel we're not doing it just for us Each one of those decisions and actions will have ripples that extend across time and space. 
And you and I are here today because of decisions that people made 35 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 2,000 years ago. Yeah. When Simeon, old Simeon, was looking for the Messiah, he got to see the Messiah. He got to see Jesus. Now, Jesus was a newborn infant, but he got to see him. And Simeon had a vision that went beyond the moment because he could see in that child the salvation of Israel and the world. I do believe that God is continuing to open doors for us. I want to be able to say the same thing in 2019, but the future's in God's hand. For us, can we be trustworthy with what He has given us? And, and, And this is just a reminder to you and a reminder to me that every moment we need to take that as a moment when we say, what is God calling us to do today? Now, there's a temptation three years into some of this new fire and new energy that, that, that we could get grumpy. And, and, and we could say, you know, I don't know. Some of this didn't happen the way we thought. Some of this isn't happening right now. I'm just going to go ahead and name it. Yeah, I'm ready for tiles to come down out there and things to be done in the foyer too. All right? You know what? It's going to get done. Just like the parking lot got done. Just like the first house in 2009 got done when we bought that we had to redo it and i want to tell all of you something that you may not know about that existing lfc house we had to remodel it and it put us back time wise you roll with it you adjust this is what happens but god has purposes in it and i'm going to find out the rest of this story but i know this about that house there are prayers in the walls of that house Do you remember when the children and you, the people of this congregation, when we had all those walls down and we had to change everything out, we decided to write prayers on cards and draw pictures, and we posted those into the walls of that current house over there at 5510 Grand. I'm pretty sure that there's at least two of our current students who were probably children here and put prayers in that wall. Now, how about that? It's just amazing. I mean, when you start looking at history from God's perspective, it's pretty amazing what happens. In Acts 2, Peter's sermon, and I want you to read that this week. Peter's sermon is a history lesson. There he is on the day of Pentecost, and none of them are expecting this to be, you know, they're, they're not all huddled up that Sunday morning going, okay, boys, today's Pentecost. This is big. Because this is where it all starts. People are going to be talking about this forever. In fact, they're going to forget all the other four Gospels, and today is the day, and nothing else matters. They weren't doing that. They were sitting around just, you know, having breakfast, praying, going, Lord, it's good to be here today. We're all ready. Here comes the Holy Spirit. Boom! We got to go preach. They're filled with the Holy Spirit fire. They go out, they preach. Peter goes through a history lesson. Starts talking about everything that happened Because they were misreading the news. Oh, Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah, he's that guy that, oh, that poor guy, he failed. Uh, He thought he was, uh, what, a teacher? Or was he supposed to be the Messiah? Peter has to go through this and say, listen, you missed it. We missed it. The one who was our salvation. 
We missed it. But now we see, because of the resurrection, we see what the truth is in history. We've got the right story. We see where God was at work in all of it. And so saying that, saying, okay, the guy that we crucified, he was the one that was sent to save us. Now, since they've seen the risen Jesus, that statement doesn't cause them a lot of concern. And sadly, it doesn't cause us a lot of concern. Well, we probably ought to realize just how radical that statement is, you know. I mean, imagine calling the, uh, you know, you call the fire department to come help you. Hey, listen, is the fire department on their way to come help us? They were, but we took a howitzer cannon and blew them away. Oh, okay, good. We didn't want them getting on our property. That's good. No, that's ridiculous. You've just, you've, you've, you've bitten the hand that feeds you. They are now torn up. They're like, wait, we killed the Messiah? There's no hope. What can we do? What can we do? Peter says, whoa, 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 calm down. There's a way. There's a way. God thought about this. Repent. You need to change. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And here's the line that we often leave out. Because after verse 38, you know, we're kind of done. We, get, we got what we want out of it, and we, you know, we just kind of throw the rest out, you know. Ah, that was good, you know, a little bit left in the, in the bottom, nah. He says, this promise is for you. And it's not just a one-day-only thing. It's for your children. It's for those who are far off. Folks, we're not them or the children. We're the far-off ones for everyone that the Lord our God will call. Now, there are people, you know, as much as any of us have been baptized into Jesus, trusting that if we give up our life, he makes something wonderful out of it. And I really think that over the last few years, that's what this congregation has been doing, is we have been giving up the life of this congregation, trusting it to God, and he's doing what he wants with it. And we're being obedient. And that's why we're growing. That's why we're, we're, we're healthy. And each of us keeps doing that in our own life. But right now, there's people who haven't had the chance to do that yet. Some of, you, some of them might be right here. Some of them may be people we haven't met yet. Some of them may be people who are far off. But when they hear the gospel story, and God calls them, and they answer by giving their life to God, then this statement from Peter thousands of years ago will continue to be fulfilled again and again and again. So right now is a good time if you've repented and if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, be baptized into Christ so that your sins can be forgiven and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's stand and sing together. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as soul. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can for sin atone. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not of good that I have done. 
nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be wider, much wider than snow? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Sustains our lost in its life-giving flow. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Please be seated.